Welcome to What CEOs Talk About. Do you wonder what CEOs talk about behind closed doors? How they bring their vision to reality? How do they overcome and succeed through adversity? We share that and so much more with each episode. Now, let's get started with the show. Good day, everybody. My name is Martin Hunter. I am the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. Today, our guest, Eric Wu from Gainful. Eric is the co-founder and COO of Gainful. And we'll talk about Gainful a little bit uh, later on, and you can look for the details below. And uh, a quirky thing about uh, Eric, and then we'll get back to it, I'm sure. He is a avid consumer of food shows so <laughs> tell me tell me in the pre-show this was hilarious maybe you go. so eric what's your favorite favorite food show i can't say i have a favorite but my roommate has got me binging diners drive-ins and die <laughs> <laughs> not what you not what you'd expect to hear from a nutrition startup founder right <laughs> i love because you look at those diners and you go that looks completely unhealthy, but man, oh man, I'll buy two of those, right? Some of these plates, you go, oh my goodness gracious. Uh, yeah. uh, um, so thank you very much, Eric, for being on the show. Eric and I have, have known each other from uh, from a client, uh, a shared client of ours. So uh, thank you for being on the show. Much appreciated. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me. And like all the other shows, um, what is the title of today's show, Eric? The title I've chosen is Why Personalization Matters. So let's roll right into it. Why does it matter? <laughs> Sounds good. For me, I think personalization matters for three different reasons. One of them is a customer, consumer reason. One of them is a business reason. And one of them is very personal. Now, without trying to talk your ear off, I'll tell you a little bit about why we at Gainful believe personalization really matters. It's an imperative. Okay honestly, from, from a consumer perspective. So for us, our product is personalized sports nutrition. Our first three flagship products are personalized protein powder, personalized hydration, and personalized pre-workout. Mm -hmm. And we actually have three more products launching at the end of this month that I really wish I could tell you about. So excited. But I can't. <laughs> There's my plug. That's uh, I'll try not to do too many sales on this uh, on this podcast. But for us, personalization means you take a quiz on our website, gameful.com, yep. five minutes, super simple. We ask you questions about your fitness goals, your body type, your dietary restrictions. And then we have a proprietary algorithm that calculates the perfect blend of ingredients to help you reach your goals. So really our personalization is all about taking things that you've told us about yourself and reflecting them in the products that we give to you. And that's really important because elite athletes at the highest level everywhere get personalized everything, whether mm -hmm. it's nutrition, whether it's personalized sleep coaching, whether it's personalized fitness regimens, whether it's personalized strength and conditioning. These are all things that are par for the course for anybody who is trying to reach the next level of performance. And that to date has been only accessible to the world's best athletes. And what we're doing is we're making it accessible for anybody. We think that everybody can be an athlete. You don't actually have to be on a professional team, mm -hmm. but everybody has that athlete's mind of making progress every day, getting in the zone, hitting your stride and becoming a better person tomorrow than you were today. And we think that by giving everyone access to personalized nutrition, 
it's a fantastic first step in helping everyone achieve their goals. And so for us, when we talk about personalization in the product, when we talk about personalization for our customers, we think that the world and the people in the world deserve to have personalized nutrition in order to reach their goals. And we're just making it accessible, easier, and a little bit more fun for everybody to access that type of high-level personalized nutrition. And of course, we're starting with sports nutrition, but I really think that the sky's the limit when it comes to nutrition. There's a lot of stuff outside sports nutrition. Sports nutrition just happens to be a space that sorely needs personalization. And one last thing I'll say about personalization as it relates to the customer is we also want to make sure that we never give people an experience that makes them feel alienated, that makes them feel lost. And mm-hmm. that's traditionally how a lot of sports nutrition has been because it's so macho. It's so over the top. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You walk into a GNC and it's like floor to ceiling industrial sized tubs of stuff that's called nitro tech and muscle farm. And for us, we want to cut through all that. We want to give you exactly what you need, nothing that you don't. And we want to give you clear, honest guidance throughout. And so we give every single customer free one-on-one complimentary access to their very own registered dietitian. And these are certified nutritionists who are with you anytime you want, when you're a Gainful subscriber to give you any nutrition, dietetic, or fitness advice. I, 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 so, so having been and still being a CrossFitter, PRs are PRs right? Personal records or personal records. So the person that starts and comes in, and I'm terribly sorry if I'm going to use some analogies here, but somebody who comes no in at three, 350 pounds who says, mm-hmm. I want to change something, right? And you have those stories and go, lose one pound, lose two pounds. Wow. You lifted five pounds and today you're losing, you're, you're lifting seven and a half pounds. That's a PR. And mm-hmm. so, and what I liked about that community as well is that regardless of how small the win is, a win is a win. And mm-hmm. so I think that you are absolutely on track to saying, okay, well, you know, th- and this is what you need now, but you might that le- need that a little bit later. And I think that the evolution of mm-hmm. what you need, not what, you know, what you needed when you were 350 pounds is not what you're going to need when you're 205 pounds. So I think mm-hmm. that personalization is key because as human beings, we're, and not just human beings, but the world is always evolving. So that right. is okay. So I've used to, I don't know, GNC muscle 101 with, you know, the dude that, that is <laughs> sweaty, so ribbed. Bodybuilder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and then, that's uh, really what you want to eat. Out of. And, and yeah, exactly. And how many guys do you know that are exactly like that? Or how many <laughs> girls do you know that fit that bill? Like, come on. So, yeah. Um, so tell me, how did you tell me your story? So, uh, yeah. How did you come up? Let's walk us through to when you hit gainful, okay? And then we'll talk about the gainful story after. Okay, sounds good. So, so much of the gainful story is actually tied up in everything that happened to me pre-gainful. Um, it's pretty, pretty intricately intertwined with with my my childhood and how I grew up. So, I grew up in Southern California. I was actually born in Toronto. I'm a Canadian. I'm a Canadian oh. passport holder. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> So I can waltz right across the border if I wanted to. Back um, and forth, Canada, U.S., <laughs> Canada, U.S. Man. Exactly. <laughs> Green card, U.S., passport, Canada. I was born in Toronto, but I can only claim a passport. I don't have very many other allegiances because I left when I was just a baby, one-year-old, and moved to Southern California. My parents both found jobs in healthcare in Southern California. 
and we moved to a little sleepy town called Thousand Oaks, north of Los Angeles. And that's where I grew up. I grew up pretty typical Californian, meaning outdoors all the time. Mm -hmm. My playground was the driveway and I was constantly biking and hiking and running. And my big thing growing up was soccer. I mm -hmm. always played soccer. It was a huge part of my life. Soccer fanatic, went to high school, played soccer all throughout high school. And that's actually where I met my co-founder, Jahan. Okay. He's our CTO. And okay. we've known each other for over a decade now, which is pretty Sweet. crazy to think about given that you know we're both 27 years old. <laughs> And we met each other playing soccer together. We were actually co-captains of our high school soccer team and became fast friends. He went off to Berkeley. I went off to Georgetown. We both continued playing soccer. And all throughout this, we had friends who would go to the gym. We had friends who would go to practice. And afterward, what do they do? They chug their nasty muscle milk protein mm -hmm. shake. They grab it at the 7-Eleven and they drink it because... Not because they know what they're doing, not because they understand the first thing about sports nutrition or muscle recovery. They do it because they see their favorite athletes, yeah. the Cristiano Ronaldo's, the LeBron James on TV, having their muscle milk or neutral, or excuse me, Herbalife sponsorship. And you just feel like that's what real athletes do, right? <laughs> it's just following the crowd. And oh, behavioral based <laughs> marketing. Oh, awesome. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You're putting it into much more eloquent words than I am. <laughs> we, we, of course, continue seeing this in college, right? We both continue playing soccer. And we had friends who were trying now things like pre-workouts and creatines mm -hmm. and hydration supplements and more and more people who were kind of like the Reddit forum expert or mm -hmm. you want to try a supplement. So what do you do? You don't ask any licensed professional. You just go to your biggest, beefiest friend and say, hey, what are you doing, right? And that's that was just, it was so, in a word, obnoxious. To yeah. me, to Jahan, we were soccer players. We weren't gym rats, but we were plenty active. And mm -hmm. even then, it felt like something that made no sense for us to take. Just the everything from the branding to the opaque ingredients list with a bunch of things that sound like nuclear waste mm -hmm. to the fact that we had to go to a GNC or a vitamin shop to buy these products. And when you get there, you're trying, you're constantly being upsold by mm -hmm. some you know, teenager store clerk who's no older than us. It just, everything felt outdated, felt backward. The experience was just nothing that I wanted to do. And this would be the point where Gainful comes in. Okay. So should we dive into it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep the story <laughs> going. So, because I'm going right. to ask you, I'm going to say, okay, so, so what then, so mm -hmm. let, before we jump into Gainful, what is, if you could recall the moment that goes, shit, we should do this. Do yeah. you remember it? Yeah. Do you remember it? There was actually, the remarkable thing is there was actually a product before there was a business, if that makes sense at all. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The business didn't come about until Jahan spurred me to consider it in an entirely new light as a business. I originally, when I had decided to get my own nutrition and my own fitness on track, I, like I mentioned, was walking to the local GNC. Mm -hmm. I even remember it. It was on Wisconsin Ave in Georgetown. And was just struck by how overwhelming, how just, I mean, commercial. for lack of a better word, just impersonal. Yeah, yeah impersonal, very impersonal, impersonal commercial. Yeah, impersonal yeah. is very good. Yeah. The, the experience fell. And so I went back to my dingy apartment basement in college and I bought up 
bunch of raw ingredients on Amazon, like whey protein isolates and tapioca maltodextrin, just things I didn't know anything about and was doing internet research and literally mixing up protein powder in these Tupperware containers in my basement, like Breaking Bad. All my roommates thought I was totally nuts. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> And, uh, and I eventually found something that worked for me. It, it fit my dietary restrictions. For the first time in my life, I knew why there were certain ingredients in the supplements. And it was because I had done the research and I figured out what I thought was right for me. And I told Jahan about this. And this is like the genesis of the business, right? Like the, the product personalized protein powder already existed. I didn't call it that. It was just in me, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told Jahan, hey, I've got this like little side project. It's kind of fun. And Unbeknownst to me, Jahan had really immersed himself in the startup scene at Berkeley. He had already actually worked on a personalized 3D printed vitamins company. And this was my high school buddy, but also the smartest guy that I've ever met and probably will ever meet. He was studying full ride chemical engineering and computer science at Berkeley. And when I told him about this weird little Tupperware protein powder experiment I had going on in my basement, he said, listen, man, this is really cool. Did you know personalized nutrition is the future? This is where the world is going. And you need to pursue this as a real business, not just this little weird side project you've got going on as a senior at Georgetown. And when I heard that from my smartest friend, I said, huh, okay, I should probably take that to heart. <laughs> and uh, one thing led to another and we ended up co-founding Gainful. And next thing you know, we, we, I had flown back from DC to California and Jahan had, uh, had, uh, had begun with me at Y Combinator, um, big startup accelerator out in Silicon Valley and mm -hmm. the rest, I, I guess people call it history. <laughs> that is so, so what in, in the relationship when, before you, you, you signed a dotted line, you said, okay, mm -hmm. you know, cause it, it's a, it's a big step, right? So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm assuming your parents in, in, in healthcare, well, growing in Southern California, California is a little bit more entrepreneurial than most, you sure. know, um, you know, a good thing that your parents moved from Toronto to, so that was a good, smart choice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although Toronto, Toronto's, Toronto's on the up and up when it comes oh, to the yeah. venture ecosystem and everything, right? Yeah. So I'm sure that your parents must've have, must have said, okay, so we've paid for a lot for a large education, mm -hmm. you know, we're paying for a lot. <laughs> They're two, they're probably Gen X people like me and said, Hey, what's wrong with a good job? And you said, no, mom, no, dad. I think this is a great idea. How did you sell it? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I got really good grades in college. So that probably helped a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my parents are definitely, so my parents are both from Beijing. Um, mm. They, they came over here from college and when, well, for graduate school and when they, finished that they couldn't find jobs in the u.s which is why we ended up in canada there's a much more lenient mm -hmm. visa policy in canada and that's why i was born in toronto they i said they both worked in healthcare. really my mom works in insurance mm -hmm. and my dad works at a big biotech company but they were both kind of more on the like database management mm -hmm. side of things so it wasn't really like i had any interest in health and wellness from a young age really again it just was born of personal need this this yeah, way yeah. that we found ourselves doing gainful but to answer your question my parents were remarkably open-minded about it while despite they you know are the typical chinese parents who always want a little bit more stability and yeah, a little yeah. bit more you know kind of climbing climbing the social ladder via hard work and nose of the grindstone at the same place for 20 years type folks i think they both unbeknownst to me until recently 
have both been super entrepreneurial people. They really have this entrepreneurial itch to start their own business. My mom is always talking about how she wants to open her own little cafe or restaurant. My dad has, ever since he retired, especially been bouncing wacky business ideas (laughs) off of me. But, you know, these are two people who they gave their lives to giant companies so that I could have a shot at doing what I'm doing today. And that's, that's something that I think is one, the greatest sacrifice. And I cannot be more appreciative for, for everything that they've done for me, but also two, entrepreneurial in its own way, right? Like coming Mm -hmm. to a new country and literally not being able to stay and having to, not that there's anything wrong with Canada, but having to move to Canada because they couldn't stay. It's, it's the biggest venture of all, right? It's, it's, it's your, it's your life's adventure and you're taking risks in the same way that I get to take these much more comfortable risks as an entrepreneur compared to the things that they had to do. So in, in a way, I guess that's, that's the sort of full circle story about how and why they've been so supportive of me doing this thing that quite frankly, I don't think they still fully understand what it means to have a venture back startup. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your, your mom just wants to talk to people and make coffee and, 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 and pastries for other people so that she can enjoy cooking and enjoy serving coffees, right? Where your dad if I goes. Started, <laughs> if I started a coffee shop, my mom would have uh, definitely understood the business model a lot faster. <laughs> And your dad's just going, oh, I got time on my side. All these ideas that I've had over time. Can I, can I do this? Can we do this? Can we do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that that's awesome. And I, it, there's, there's something that needs to be said about immigration. And I think that that is the gratefulness that you have towards your parents who have left a lot to live with risk of coming here. Yeah. That sense of gratitude. It, Everybody who lives in North America, even, you know, First Nations who've come across, they, you know, the Bering Sea and all that mm-hmm. good stuff, you have to realize that either your first, second, third, fourth generation North American, you come from an immigrant family that somebody down the line put a yeah. lot of risk into showing up. And so I believe that in North America, we tend to forget that it's important to respect and understand, um, I, I don't want to say a whole tradition, but to, to understand that there's a lineage to why I'm here, right? So I think yeah. that that's um, that's very good. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, at your age, and and terribly sorry. There's a lot of young people who dream about what you're doing right now, and there's a lot of people who think that because they give this their title entrepreneur or CEO. Mm-hmm. that they actually are. So for those who are listening, who have a kid, or if you're young and you're an entrepreneur, um, Eric has earned right. He's not just calling himself that. He's gone four years, and I've seen his work ethic because I've worked with him before. There's there's a lot of hard work that comes with being an entrepreneur. So don't think it's just cool because um, I'm sure there's a few times, Eric, in four years, even you're young, you're like, screw this, I'm done. Uh, much, much less than you'd expect, actually. Oh, really? Been, I don't. I think. I think I was built for this. I love it. I love every day of it. Um, oh. and I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. But I, I mean, something else that I just want to acknowledge is how immensely privileged I am to be in this position, to be able to have my parents help me through college, to have my parents be supportive of what I'm doing, and to be able to 
cover my expenses for the first, you know, year, year and a half of gainful when we weren't really paying ourselves a salary. I had savings and there's a ton of people who would give anything to have that sort of safety net that I've had in order to mm -hmm. be an entrepreneur. And, and I don't, I don't take that lightly, which is why, honestly, like you mentioned, I bust my butt and I make every day as best as I can. That's awesome. Your your mom making you a typical Asian family, probably always rice, always vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> we uh yeah, she ingrained in me some really, some really good stuff. Oh, uh, good. Hopefully, hopefully someday she realizes I'm doing my best to repay it. <laughs> awesome. So first let's get back to personalization. Yeah. So Great idea, great momentum. I think that is super. I've been on your website. We've got everything going. So you go through and you ask questions. Mm -hmm. I think you ask questions at the right pace because too mm -hmm. many questions get you down to user adoption, right? So you have to look at user adoption as well, saying, okay, well, what is too long? What's too short? How much information can somebody take the time to get me to where I want to be to be able to, to have a a transaction between them mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. what how much time did you spend when you're building your your model to think mm -hmm. through the entire process did you do process mapping did you launch first like what was your thought behind building that business model we we come from the yc school of thought which mm. is launch quickly fail quickly iterate launch again so please explain to the listener what yc is yeah, yeah, of course. YC is Y Combinator. It's mm -hmm. a big startup accelerator out in Silicon Valley. They are traditionally a very tech software, consumer software, enterprise software focused accelerator, but more and more recently, they've been taking on consumer brands like Gainful. And mm -hmm. I think they've recognized a couple of big trends, namely things like personalization, direct to consumer, nutrition. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, we were one of, um, you know, one of the first few companies to get an investment from Y Combinator in the space of personalization, in the space of nutrition, mm -hmm. in the space of CPG. And we did that program back in, we were in the winter 18 batch. So that was the first couple of months um, after, after we graduated from college. And that was an incredible place for us to grow and learn and be surrounded by really like the 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 hollywood of silicon valley right yeah. it's all the big names there the other folks who have gone through y Combinator are reddit dropbox stripe um really big names and mm. we were able to learn from a lot of those founders um airbnb's founders like it was it was a great learning experience and a fantastic experience for a first-time entrepreneur but um that was a bit of a, uh, a bit of a tangent the the yc school of thought when it comes to launching is to launch quickly don't wait to launch, I think it might be a little more applicable to a software product than to a CPG product. Mm -hmm. But in our case, we still took it to heart. And we launched the product when we were literally making it ourselves um, in, in a kitchen gotcha. facility that we had rented in San Mateo. And we were by day trying to build the website, run marketing, set up the business, talk to investors. And by night, we were putting on putting on our, 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 our sanitary equipment and light <laughs> coats and literally going and mixing up batches. It's commissary kitchen. So, I mean, for us, that was the only way we could do it, right? Like we didn't have a whole lot of money. We didn't have the resource. We didn't even have really a brand and we just had to scrap and learn every single thing on our own. And so for me, like a big learning that I've had over the course of the last couple of years running Gainful is that as a founder, you just need to constantly reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. um, in the early days, I was 
food scientist formulator in chief. And then pretty soon I was the fundraiser in chief. And then pretty soon after that, I was the board manager in chief, right? And, <laughs> and it just, it just keeps, keeps changing and keeps evolving. Um, and today I'm, I'm really thankful and blessed to be working on kind of full circle where I originally came from, which is working on new products, creating new products that I think really deserve to live in the world, figuring out what the future of personalization means for nutrition, for sports nutrition and for our customers. And, uh, and that's a place that I'm really, really happy in right now. How many people is in Gainful right now? We have our 29th starting on Monday. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the clients that I still work with, Nerik and I worked with, we went from 5 to 6 to 12 to 48 in, <laughs> yeah. wow. in a matter of what, 18 months, not even 18 months is, is quite wild. I mean, the when you've got explosive growth, what a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is that when you start building your business, you leverage people. And that's, that's your job is to let find the right talent and leverage their experience. Like you said, you can't be this in chief, that in chief and all of this in chief for a long period of time. You can do Mm -hmm. it in short sprints. Like, okay, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll do this. I'll do that. But to keep consistency and momentum, to be able to have singularity of purpose and not change mm-hmm. you know, direction continuously, you need to really beef up the team. So you're leveraging yep. once you've got people, then you can leverage money. But ultimately, until you get to a place of, I'll say corporation, where you're not in that yep. startup explosive growth, you go, okay, we've hit kind of a, a good pace. Mm-hmm. Here's where we are then you can start leveraging money and all that stuff. But before that you're leveraging people. And that's what a lot of people don't understand as founders. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you at a certain time you go, okay, I'm young. I'm energetic. When you start hitting 50 at my age, you know, 18 hour days are good for a year during COVID. But after a while you're like, okay, screw this. Like I want to go, I want to go fishing. (laughs) Um, So tell us, when you say, okay, so personalization for mm-hmm. the customer, now you said personalization yeah. for the business. The business, yeah, yeah. Personalization for the business is really just another side of the same coin for the customer. But if you were explaining it to your investors, your VCs, or even a potential acquirer, the rationales for personalization become a little bit different. Although the outcome is, of course, a better customer experience, which is Mm -hmm. by far the most important thing. From a business perspective, personalization is very interesting because it's been done for hair care. It's been done for skin care. It's been done for pet. You know, it's been done for meal kits, but Mm -hmm. nobody's really nailed it. Nobody's really given it uh, a good try in the realm of sports nutrition. And honestly, you could even make an argument. Nobody's really properly done it for nutrition in general. In general, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so for us, it's really, really, it, it's it's a point of pride to be the first mover in personalized sports nutrition because it's also, like I mentioned, a category that needs it so, so badly, mm-hmm. right? Sure, personalized skincare, personalized hair care, personalized fashion. Like these are all important, important for self-esteem. They're huge markets. I get it. But personal sports nutrition is a place where there's just been a dearth of activity and such a huge need. 
because there are so many brands. It's an incredibly fragmented space. There's relatively little brand loyalty. There's a ton of honestly dangerous ingredients that if consumed in the wrong way at the wrong time in the wrong dosages can actually set you back instead of helping you reach your goals. Mm -hmm. And it's also a category that's so intimate. It's so, so intimate because you're actually putting it in your body. There's not that many things that you put in your body. And if you're going to put something in your body, you should be sure as hell that it's going to help you. And that's something that, you know, I can talk about this a little bit more in my, in the section about what personalization means to me, but really you ought to be considering everything that you're putting in your body because that's, what's going to help you reach your goals. That's, what's going to potentially set you back from your goals. If you do it improperly more than any other personalization realm. Right. Um, And so from a business perspective for the venture capitalists and investors who have been so supportive of us since day one, the people on our cap table, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious that this needs to exist in the world. And it's for them sort of a thing that they, they smack their heads that it hasn't been done before us. Right. 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 So when we came along and we had this vision for personalized sports nutrition, we were going to do a direct consumer subscription e-commerce to start, but then eventually in many other channels, international retail marketplace, it just made so much sense to them. It just, it was one of those things where we were able to open a lot of people's eyes. The fact that like, how could this not already exist in the world and how can we make it the perfect customer experience? And for VCs, that vision is of course really, really important because it also means that there are big multinational corporations who could potentially acquire us someday for a really good multiple because we have strong margins, strong mm-hmm. recurring revenue, a strong, loyal, fanatic customer base. And it's a it's also in our case, a system. All of our products work together synergistically. We have personalized protein powder, hydration, pre-workout. <laughs> this is what this is where I go. Oh, what a good man! What a good man! Systemization. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I told you this was the business part of the conversation. <laughs> um, and that that obviously for us is really exciting because it means that we have a suite of products where our platform is not collagen, right? Our platform is not hydration our platform is personalization and that is why we can take something like personalized protein powder and this is a bit reductive but copy paste that business model mm-hmm. and do it for hydration and see over 50 percent of our customers now including hydration in their cards that's why I'm, we can do it I, I you can go so you can personalize condoms if you wanted to like <laughs> there's won't, won't be our fourth product but yes you're right martin <laughs> But there's so many ways when you think of a human being, instead of thinking of the product, think of the human being. So how can I support the human being? It amazes me that people complain about these COVID vaccines and they go, you're putting this in my body. And the latest one was this lady putting the key on her body and saying, oh, the magnetic injections. (laughs) I'm like, oh my goodness. When you look at what people consume on a day-to-day basis, you're eating Twinkies, you're eating, you're drinking Coca-Cola. I mean, when I grew up, when I, I played rugby pretty much all my life, Mm -hmm. I was very, very competitive and went up the competitive ladder very quickly. One of the Welsh coach that I had old school Mm. coach smoked cigarettes and played rugby, played hard. He's like, I, you you drink two cans of Coke 
after each game to replenish your <coughs> sugars and, and get your energy back up. And now this is back in the 1980s, right? Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. think about this. I'm playing rugby six days a week. Mm-hmm. So that's 12 cans of Coke per week. Yeah. You think about the addiction. So I stopped playing rugby and now Coke is, and no disrespect to Coke, no disrespect yeah, yeah. To, 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 to the, 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 the culture that's creating behind Coke. I, I, it took me years to get off and I still am fighting my Coke addiction. Like yeah. when I hear or smell a Coke can open, my mouth waters. It's crazy, right? But that's your, your, your Pavlov's, Pavlov's dog. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> ding, ding. Oh, what's that food? Uh, <laughs> but my point, my point being that what I like about the new generation is that they're understanding that key concept of what you put in your mouth is what you, what you become. Mm-hmm. And the second component of it is if you want to change the world, change your, your consumer habits. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what the big corps, the Nestle's are seeing. So by yep. Eric doing what you're doing, there's nothing wrong in wanting to be acquired because you're going to change the world through the participation that you've got. If you can touch more people with personalized or having healthy habits mm-hmm. is where we want to put the, the world today. Is this contributing to a better planet by having healthier and better people? Yes, it does. Is it a better planet where we're not commercializing everything and we're taking a little bit more time and, and everybody wants everything fast, fast, fast. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, take the time to answer the goddamn questionnaire so that you can be personalized and have a bigger impact. <laughs> yep, yep. But that's, that's, that's mentality of everything quick, you know, back then. So, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln, you know, sharpened, you know, sharpened the, the ax for five hours so that you can cut the tree down in one hour. Mm-hmm. So, I think what you're doing is fabulous how you're approaching it because then it becomes also a sense of ownership, a sense of participation. They care about me. You know, every human being has three. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? Mm-hmm. And that's a behavioral need that you need, that I need, that everybody needs in different kind of spectrum. So with that personalization also for everything else that you do, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? And, yep. and that's what you're doing. And that's exactly, you're filling a Pavlov need of a human being of, of having that emotional uh, recognition. Yeah. Yeah. You could give the pitch for me. You mean the sales guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're exactly right. And something that, a question that we always get from marketers and startup people, anybody who's worked on UX or at a tech company, mm-hmm. especially e-commerce, they always ask, why do you do the quiz? Doesn't that reduce conversion rate if you are making people jump through hoops? I think the the mantra that's been drilled into every e-commerce or growth marketer to date has been minimize the number of clicks, the number of screens, the number of steps it takes from someone to get from the homepage of your website to giving you their credit card number. Do yeah. everything you humanly can to reduce that amount of time and that amount of friction, and you will have a much better business. And for us, sure, we want to make the checkout experience and the number of clicks it takes to get to a purchase as seamless and as delightful as possible. But at the same time, people are happy to take our quiz because at the end of the day, that's the product. The product is personalized. You need to tell us about yourself, 
in order for us to give you something that we know is going to be better for you than the generic that you pull off the shelf. And people understand that. The consumer is brilliant. Our customers are brilliant. They know that what they're doing up front, the time and the investment that they have in taking a few minutes out of their day to give us a little bit more information about themselves is going to pay them back in spades. It's going to benefit them more than anyone at the end. And for that reason, we're never going to do away with the quiz. That's that's our differentiator. That's what makes us special is, is personalization. Uh, when my brother has been selling carpets, just carpets, Mm -hmm. for the better part of his life. <laughs> I love a good carpet. I was going to say, that's all <laughs> industrial carpets. One, three, at 36 inches by 36 inches, one square meter, mm -hmm. where, wherever you live in this world. Um, by the way, the U.S. is the only one that still uses imperial versus the rest of the world. I'm just saying. It bugs me too. Because, <laughs> you know, we collaborate with folks. Yeah, we don't have to get it down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, uh, by the way, do you sell internationally? Does your protein make it all the way around the world? Not, not yet. Not yet. I think Canada would be a logical second place for us to begin selling, but we haven't quite made the leap yet. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, soon to be. Okay. Soon. TBD. Um, so he's been selling carpets and so he sells one thing and once, and the first thing that he says is spin cell, right? What's the situation? Implication. What's the... Start with a question. Mm. Start with a question. And that's what you're doing. You're asking questions. If you're selling a car, what are you looking for? What do you want to do? Do you want to go off-roading? Do you want to go pick up girls? Do you want to, what do you want to do with your car? Do you have a family? Do you have five kids? Well, if you got five kids, a Mustang's not going to do it for you. Yep. So, right? So here's a caravan, right? So you want to go off-roading. Well, this Fiesta is not going to go. You're going to go with an F-150. Sorry, I'm, I'm stuck on Ford for, for some reason. But anyways, <laughs> um, so I think that part of the customer journey that, again, if you're asking me, the ultimate goal that a company wants is to have an interaction with their clientele, with their consumers. What is the constant participation or dialogue that you have with your consumer? And you're starting out by asking a question. What's wrong with that? That's the best way to start. Hey, how much, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? What activities? I've taken the quiz. I know you don't ship to Canada because I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I took the quiz a few times uh, just to see if you can still sell to, sell to Canada. <laughs> but anyways, um, with that being said, that's where the relationship starts. When, when you meet somebody and when you truly care and when you say, how are you? That's a question. You don't just say it to say it. You should say it and listen. And I think mm -hmm. good for you for Gainful for actually listening and not just trying to sell. And I think that that is going to connect you with people who are going to be brand loyalists for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really, we've barely scratched the surface of personalization. There's so much more that we can do and so much more really exciting work for me to do on thinking about what the future of personalization means, not only for Gainful, but for nutrition as a whole. Right? Mm -hmm. There's also a really interesting way for us to think about the next couple of years of Gainful, how we're going to close the feedback loop. Because mm -hmm. right now we have registered dietitians who continue on advising all of our customers as they go through their own personal fitness and nutrition journeys. But nowadays, 40% of our customers are Apple Watch users. There are so many people who are tracking their own fitness and their own biomarkers mm -hmm. in ways that didn't exist 
even like two or three years ago. Agreed. And in the next five years, 10 years max, everyone is going to have way more access, visibility, and interest in their own biometrics over time than we've ever seen humans have in the, the history of human existence. Never, and, yeah. yeah. And for, for me, what's super exciting is that gainful for every single one of our customers, bar none, is their first experience with personalized nutrition. Our customers are not biohackers. They're not nerds who have spent their <laughs> lives reading about their own bio. They're people, they're normal people who are just active and care about putting something better in their own bodies. And as those people learn and grow and personalized nutrition really comes to the fore, we're going to be there throughout. Throughout, We're, we're going to be providing mm -hmm. personalized nutrition products, sports nutrition to start again. But pretty soon, I wouldn't be surprised if we're living in a world where Gainful can be every single thing that you eat in a day that's not whole food. And we'll know, given the rise of fitness trackers, health apps, and availability of biometric data, we'll know with a degree of statistical significance that Gainful is making your life demonstrably happier, healthier, better. And uh, that's super exciting to me. Oh, uh, so, so I've recently as as you grow older you become intolerant to certain foods so mm -hmm. i've uh, uh, dairy intolerance has been become a, a very big thing in my life so you're like okay mm -hmm. i can't have this one and then all of a sudden you have pea protein well it depends on what kind of pea you have so now you're going okay well let me shop around well i like this ingredient but i don't like this ingredient mm -hmm. right i want this or that i consume greens a spirulina if i don't take it in the right part of the day gives me a massive headache so if I don't take it on, on, a, on an empty stomach. So yeah. just think about greens, you know, final greens where you can say, here's your list. What do you do? You know, and then you can concoct whatever is best. Do you yeah. have any allergies to it? Right. My wife is mostly vegan. Uh, I'm mostly vegetarian. My daughter is full on carnivore and my boy just eats burgers and cucumbers. So... <laughs> <laughs> At least he's got the cucumbers in there. Uh, I, 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 you know, he'll have cucumbers, tomatoes, vegetables, everything, but he's not very big on meat except for burgers. So mm -hmm. um, so you try to spin that a thousand ways. But anyways, my point being that if you have to customize anything that's not whole foods, that can be applicable for families as well. So, hey, hold on a mm -hmm. second. Let me go to Gainful and I'm going to go, this is for me. This is for Tracy. This is for Ariel. This is for Gavin. And then we all sit together, you, one place to purchase, one place that the purchases, but, but also um, personalizes. I mean, oh, my goodness, the places that you can go with this. Um, very supportive. And I think that the packaging also, that's a big thing for me is, mm -hmm. so I ride my motorcycle quite frequently. So I like to, I have to make little packets mm -hmm. of what I want to bring with me. So yeah. if I can get, so one of the reasons why I went with, uh, what's the one from Tim Ferriss? Phyto greens or sports greens. I forget what it is. Athletic greens. Athletic greens. Thank you very much. Yeah. For New Zealand. yeah, yeah, yeah. They have individual pouches. Well, that's mm -hmm. not the one that I usually buy, but so I take that one and bring it with me. Cause when I'm riding my motorcycle, I can just pour it in water and, and off I go. Yep. Yep. So same thing, right? So you think about the active, the active person who's hiking, biking, the the method in which they purchase to consume is also critical in the personalization as well. So we can mm -hmm. offer saying, oh, 
you want a you want a five gallon jug you want a one gallon jug or do you want individual little packets right as well so i don't know i'm just thinking out loud here it's so exciting personalization nutrition is important but also customization to fit somebody's lifestyle is super important too we we have many different flavors that you can mix and match your flavors and have a different flavor every day we want to make sure that the cadence of your subscription is entirely to your liking like these are they're super super important thing um and obviously lead to a much better customer experience beyond just the results from the personalization of the nutrition itself um what uh what motorcycle do you ride martin i ride a, a triumph tiger 900 it's uh, nice <laughs> i I've always wanted to triumph. I think they uh, just aesthetically, uh, I've never ridden one, but aesthetically they look fantastic. I, I just had a commuter CBR, Honda CBR back in San Francisco. And when I moved to New York, I promised myself I would upgrade to a triumph for a Ducati. And I got here and I realized we're just not the place for a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die, man. <laughs> it's, 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 it's effectively just uh, just just like a trophy to have in, uh, parking on the street because everything's so easy to get around here. So you know what? Put the line in the sand and saying, when we achieve this, regardless <laughs> of where you're living, you get yourself your tiger. You're, you're trying. You, you let you me go. know because I'll go shopping with you, man. I'll go shopping. You go, hey, Martin, hey, come to New York. I need to buy a motorcycle. I'll say, I'll be there in all on, so one hour to get to the airport, take that flight there. I'll be there in nine hours. <laughs> I'll let you know what our target is. So I'll let you know what Gamefield's target uh, target revenue is before I buy myself a Triumph. Uh, the, the engine on it, I, for me, the, the performance of the motorcycle is is important, but the aesthetics as well. As, so you, when you look at, but, I mean, Japanese motorcycles, man, you can, you can, it's the AK-47 of motorcycles. You can <laughs> do anything to those bikes and they just are just nonstop. They just keep going, right? So yeah, especially That's, that was exactly my experience, yep. Personalized motorcycles. <gasps> yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, da, 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 da. there you go. Well, when it's time, when, when Gainful's got enough momentum, then you and I will go see Triumph and we'll say, okay, time to put this, <laughs> this business model applicable to motorcycles. Uh, I that's... can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. So tell me about why personalization is so important to your life. Uh, I've really already touched on this, I think, in my lead up when I was talking about personalization for our customers, personalization for the business, for our investors, for potential acquirers. For me, it's pretty simple. Personalization is about getting people to care a little bit more about what they're putting in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Again, like I mentioned, nutrition, the food that you eat, the supplements that you take, it is one of the most intimate things I can think of that people interact with in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. More than the clothes that you wear, more than the shampoo that you use, more than the lotion that you put on your face. It is literally determining what's going on inside your body, your health, how you feel day to day. Paying more attention to what you're putting in your body also means thinking about the provenance mm-hmm. of the ingredients that you're putting in your body, thinking about the environmental impact of the things that you're putting in your body. And for us with Gameful, we're trying to accomplish all of that. Mm-hmm. And for me, yes, of course, my goal is to make Gameful a big, successful company that's worthy of an acquisition mm-hmm. that makes a life-changing amount of money for everybody involved. But at the end of the day, I would also be really happy if Gainful in our own small but hopefully big way were able to get people to think more critically about what they're putting in their bodies and to take their own health and wellness a little more seriously. 
right? And and for me, if we can accomplish even a part of that for a part of the world, that's a pretty big success. I'll ask you two tough questions. All right. What Lay is the me. what is the biggest kind of customer feedback that you've had that was really touching to you? Have you had a customer feedback where you've said, Gainful has changed my life? We we get that all the time because again, like I mentioned, what you eat and what you put in your mouth is so intimate, right? And one story that we had recently was actually a customer who had tongue cancer, a person who had to get a part of their tongue removed and they had oh, shit. a really difficult time eating anything. And so really so much of their nutrition was coming from, a straw. from, from supplements and from a straw. Yeah. Um, and they had a really hard time choking down any other product besides gainful. They had some specific requirements for their own diets. Obviously they're making a pretty major or embarking on a pretty major stage of recuperation and recovery in their lives and gainful while this is not the primary use case ended up being one of the bright spots in their day. And not every customer has a story that's as traumatic and dramatic mm -hmm. and uplifting as this person's. But I think the through line between all of our customers is that gainful can be what you need it for, right? We have a team of dietitians who are here to serve. We have a science advisory board that includes some of the world's most renowned experts on, on performance nutrition. And when you are even just like a weekend warrior or a dad chasing around after your daughter um, in the park, or you're a pretty avid weightlifter, there's something for you. And for this customer, it was something that was particularly special, particularly touching, particularly important. Uh, but for everyone, it can be that too, even if you don't come with that same sort of story, with that same sort of recovery. I, wow, that that's cool. I've never heard of tongue cancer before. That's, wow. That is so cool. I mean, for me, what people forget about protein is that I've come to realize that I consume and, and eat too much of everything. So Tracy and I went on a journey uh, in, in COVID time, and we said, every day we pick one thing that leaves our house. Mm. So we pick something, and then we either give it away, gift it away, sell it, mm. or we throw it in, in the recycling bin. So I've opted the same situation to saying, what is it that is optimal for me to live? Now, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. I enjoy eating a good meal once in a while, but from, you know, most of the first six days out of seven, it is, what do I, what does my body really need? Not what yep. really need. Yep. And I'm a busy guy. I work big days. And then when I'm done working, sit down with my family and I have dinner, which is the most important thing is having dinner together. And that's you yeah. know, real food, whole food. And, but the rest of the day I do intermittent fasting for most of my day. But mm -hmm. when I stop my fasting, the first thing that goes into my body is proteins and greens. Mm -hmm. Cause I need to keep working. Cause that's how I'm wired. I just enjoy yeah. business and I help a lot of businesses. So for me to be able to be mindfully engaged yeah. I, I can't eat a big lunch. 
Now, don't yep. get me wrong. We went fishing with my buddies and I, and we went and had steak and we regretted it all. <laughs> then, I, I am so thirsty. Oh my goodness gracious. And we had a few, we had a few extra drinks and salty fries with that. And yeah. I was like, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. A lot of people, that's their, that's their daily. That's their everyday. That's their I know, go-to. it's crazy, yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. Having lived in Asia, I appreciate how food is consumed, right? So mostly vegetables, a little bit of carbs, a little bit of meat. And I find that that is a healthy way of eating. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, but anyways, all all to say that it doesn't, I think that that nutrition mindset of how you've put in your body, there's ways to do it that can be applied to not just sports or, and, or, but like you said, I'm, I'm a busy dad. I'm a, you know, I'm a single father with two kids. I'm a single mom with three kids. Like mm-hmm. in, I'd rather you spend the money on that. That brings you nutritional value than, you know, um, doing something else. But anyways, that's, that's, yeah. I think that's a key component. The The second question is really what has been the hardest hurdle or the biggest barrier that you've had for gainful? One thing that I found to be particularly demoralizing early on until I realized and figured out a great strategy for coping with it was always feeling like I was coming in at a disadvantage and feeling like an outsider looking in constantly, feeling really a sense of imposter syndrome, which I think is probably something that you hear all the time from entrepreneurs. It's Oh, yeah. Even at the highest level, the highest functioning business leaders feel like, oh, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this. Mm. And I've got a target on my back. Why, why should I be the one to be running this company? Why should I have outside success in this world? I've always been really a person who's quite confident in myself. And starting a business, especially as a first-time entrepreneur, I was 21 when I first started thinking about Gainful. It was something that was foreign to me to hear from so many VCs, from accelerator programs, even from advisors and mentors and everybody in the startup ecosystem about how difficult it was, the type of business that we were trying to build, how being inexperienced would not be a help for us. And really every rejection that you get from a VC in the early days, it stings. You don't really understand fully, um, even if they do give you feedback, why they're not writing a check when you have something that you're so passionate about and you mm-hmm. think deserves to exist in this world is needs to exist in this world. And what I think I realized after many rejections and what I guess a lot of people would consider seminal failures was one, everyone feels like this. Everyone <laughs> feels like an imposter, especially if you're an entrepreneur. And that is why the best entrepreneurs are the ones who get knocked down and jump right back up. Mm-hmm. That was one realization, which is comforting, I guess, to know that you're not the only one. Um, <laughs> even if you are a 21-year-old startup founder and everybody around you is 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 either Silicon Valley royalty or all your competitors are better funded and and have flashier investors and flashier founders than than your company does. Um, which by the way, many of those much flashier folks have have since come and gone and Gainful has endured. But the other realization I had was that for all these rejections, especially when it comes to VC, 
that's part of the business model. They're looking for a specific thing and they have a couple of big themes that they're chasing down every year. They only have so many checks that they can write. And it's not that they don't believe in your vision. It's not that your vision can't be true. It's just that they have a mandate from their own LPs Mm. in their fund, their partners to explore certain things that they believe deserve to exist in the world too. And it's all about finding the partners that you really think or that you know align with your values and what you know has to exist in the world. You will find someone out there who believes just as much as you do about what you think needs to exist in the world. And for all the rejections, there's a reason. And it may not have worked out anyways because they don't believe that the same thing deserves to be in the world as urgently as you do. Um, And so... I guess to anybody out there who's raising money, raising capital from from VC for the first time or considering starting a business, just know that all of the failures, all of the rejections are not a reflection of your personal ambition or your personal ability to will something into existence. It's just like matchmaking, honestly. It's finding the right people at the right time who believe in the same things as you. Same goes for hiring incredible talent. Same goes for finding a co-founder. All these things are to a degree serendipitous and all it takes is just knocking on the door until it knocks down. And that's, th- that's the thing that, you know, sometimes I have a hard time with these <clears throat> quotes, work hard as an entrepreneur, work hard. And if you grit out, has nothing to do with grit or hard work. It has everything to do with consistency because mm-hmm. the timing is important, right? Yeah. So let's say that you make the best Brussels sprouts in all of New York. And I'm a guy that comes in with a lot of money and I want to go to a restaurant and I go, oh, this place is known for their Brussels sprouts. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, in, that's exactly. in the conversation. Exactly. It, it, has it could be nothing. the best in the world. Yeah. Exactly. I don't like Brussels sprouts. I don't want to spend money on something I don't like. So yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And exactly. it's not about working harder. Oh, I got to work harder. I got to work harder. No, just show consistency. Yeah. Just somebody at some time, the timing will be right and it will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Some people go, oh, wow, you know, Eric is so lucky. He started as a, or he's, uh, you know, I, I want to be like, Eric is his, the timing of it was earlier on in his life. If Eric starts another business, he might not be as lucky. He might go for a very long time with this second venture and is going to say, well, this is taking a lot more time than gainful. Right. It's, it's, it's nothing about you had the right mindset, you had the right skills, you had the right idea and you put that forth like every other entrepreneur and somebody bit into it at the right moment. So I, I, I dislike when they see young entrepreneurs and they go, Oh, well, that kid's so lucky. Pardon my French. (laughs) Fuck you. He, he, he worked as hard (laughs) as you did. He just happened to fall on gold faster than you did. That's as simple Mm -hmm. as that. He had a great idea. You had a great idea. He's worked hard. You worked hard. His idea got picked up by somebody before yours did. It's it, duh. Uh, so there, there's. I, I, I just want to shoot down this mm-hmm. concept of, oh, you know, people from California, the young entrepreneurs. You know, oh, you're so lucky. And you, nah, 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 nah. You are lucky because you position yourself in a place where you had a very smart partner and said, hey, let's go to the W to YC, and then you know everything from there uh kind of but you still put a lot of time and energy into it so um so last question sure what is the one piece of reference that dictates who you are it doesn't have to be a book it can be 
it can be a person, it could be a podcast, it can be, what's the one thing that you go, I always refer back to this? Hmm. That's interesting. And you're thinking content. So for me, I'll give you an example. First things first, one of the habits of the seven habits of most uh, highly effective people. Mm-hmm. First things first is is the thing that has struck me to prioritizing. And it's a lesson that I learned when I left the military, when an old sergeant major said, hey, there's three things that are important in life. Mm-hmm. Your physical fitness and mental health. Your family is number two. And number three is every fucking thing else. Yeah. <laughs> so that. that I right and so you're like okay and then at the time all this you know by when I left the military there's all this self-help and Stephen Covey fell on my lap and I go oh first things first one of the one of the seven habits so anyways that's what dictates who I am and how I think in business what about mm-hmm. you so this might be a bit of an unconventional answer it's not a piece of content it's not a it's not a book or a podcast or some sort of mantra or teaching i find myself oddly enough thinking a lot about my parents and in particular my mom um and this is maybe a good way to bring this full circle but she was the type of person who deferred her entrepreneurial dreams and worked at a big company for the better part of three decades so that i could do what i'm doing today and that's something that i think is never ever going to stop being incredibly motivating for me and it's not necessarily about oh i have to make this successful so i can buy my mom a nice car and a Mm. fancy house it's it's really about understanding the immense again privilege that i have to be doing what i'm doing and to be comfortable doing it and for me that's why i feel like energizer bunny every day is just so much fun it's so exciting to be doing what i'm doing because I even have the opportunity to do it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's something that is always going to be a pretty big, uh, pretty big touch point for me. That is, you are absolutely right. In full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, I also want to say, talking about all this stuff about age and experience earlier in the podcast, I said that me and my co-founder are both 27. Don't know why I said that. What a brain fart. We're both 26. <laughs> Dude, when I was, how old was I? I think I was 37. I couldn't remember how old I was. I couldn't remember. I was like, how old am I? How I'm a little I? young. I'm a little young for that, I feel. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I was, I got married at the age of 21 and was a father by the age of 23. Things were a bit different back then, right? So, you know. Gainful's still my baby. That's that's all I've got going on. Yeah, yeah that's right. No dogs, <laughs> no cats. <laughs> No fish. Just this this big personalized sports nutrition baby. Uh, That needs a lot of attention. (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. Oh, well, fabulous. Thank you so very much, Eric, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Martin. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, So with that said, so Eric, we're going to put all of your contact details, LinkedIn and all that good stuff in the bottom. So thank you very much for being on the show. It was great having you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. This is a lot of fun, Martin. Good, Good catching you. up. Thank you very much. So with that said, my name is Martin Hunter. I'm the host of What CEOs Talk About, where we translate strategy into frontline operations. And like all shows, I tend to forget, but this time I won't. Like, subscribe, and whatever my social media marketing team tells me to do <laughs> to say. <laughs> 
All right, folks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Martin. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to What CEOs Talk About. Make sure to click subscribe to get notified about future episodes or check us out at www.whatceostalkabout.com. We'll be right back.